and uh, and uh, verse nine and Revelations five and verse nine, two nines, one in First uh, Peter two nine, Revelations five nine. Thank you for your presence tonight. Thank you for opening your Bible and thank you for the pages I hear <clears throat> turning tonight. Sometimes if uh, Sunday school or preaching seems boring to you, uh, if you'll turn them pages and look up them verses and uh, follow along with the preacher. Sometimes we go so fast, I know you can't do that preaching, uh, but it's very helpful in studying. It'll help you learn your Bible and uh, it'll also help you see uh, that what we're saying is coming out of the Word of God. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should shew forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And uh, Revelations 5 and verse 9, heavenly scene, the Bible said they sung a new song, sung a new song. But when you get to reading what it was, it sounds like the old song. So they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book, to open the seals thereof, for thou hast slain and hast redeemed us to God by the blood out of every kindred, tongue, and people and nation, and hast made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. Father, we thank you tonight for the opportunity to be in church tonight. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for the uh, ministering to our souls through the spiritual songs. And, uh, and Lord, that we're able to make melody in our heart is unto the Lord. Bless your word tonight. Bless each person that's come out, not only in this building, but in the upper building as well. May God be glorified. May the fact that people pass up and down this street and see lights on and cars in the parking lot. May it be a testimony to our community. God's not out of business, neither is he dead. Lord, we pray you'd bless tonight in Christ's name. Amen and amen. As we continue to find out an answer to the question, who are we? Uh, a lot of times we say, well, we're Baptists. Well, that's the least of who we are. Uh, uh, it's important that we're Baptists. I am a Baptist. As, as the preacher used to say, Baptist born, Baptist bred. When I die, I'll be Baptist dead. But before I was ever a Baptist, I was saved and a child of God. And, uh, and so we're, we're friends and brothers and sisters of all them that know the Lord and have been saved, whether they're Baptists or whatever they might be. If they've truly been saved know the Lord, we count them as a brother or sister. But we've been asking that question, who are we? We said, well, we're God's children. Well, we can relate to that. We, uh, most of us have children. Some of us even grandchildren. Some of us even great-grandchildren. Uh, so we can relate to the fact that we are a child in God's family. And uh, most, of, most of us, I hope and trust, has had a good earthly father. And so we know what that's like to have a good father. I went to a funeral today uh, of uh, my cousin had passed away in December. Her husband died 
his funeral was today, and uh, they only had two children. They had a boy, and he got shot and killed a few years ago. So there's only one girl left. And uh, but uh, she made the statement about uh, I could have I could have had I could have never had a better father uh, than what I had. And uh, so even if you didn't have a good father, uh, if you're saved, you got one now. Uh, it's our heavenly father. And uh, so we can relate pretty easy, you know, we're a child in God's family. And then we looked at we're sheep in God's fold or flock. Well, we can relate to that. Uh, we might not have raised sheep. Uh, no, Brother David raised the goats. Uh, but uh, uh, we have, might not have raised sheep, but we're pretty familiar with uh, a shepherd's job and what a sheep looks like and what he does. And the shepherd takes care of the sheep. So... We can identify with the fact that we are uh, sheep in God's flock. And then we looked last week that we are members of Christ's body. And we all got a body, we all got members, uh, so we could relate to that. But what we're looking at tonight uh, will be a little harder for us to get a hold of, but it's no less, no less any truer than the other three things that we've already mentioned. And what we're looking at tonight as we are priests in God's temple. Uh, the Bible said in verse 9, we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of Him who hath called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. So the Bible says we, us Christians, we believers, the Bible said we're a peculiar people. Well, I've I've been in this thing for 43 years on a regular basis and there is some peculiar people in the body of Christ. I'm sure you've met some of them. Uh, some of them think you're peculiar. Uh, but not only that, the Bible says that we are a royal priesthood, the Bible says. Now, God's purpose for the nation of Israel is clearly seen in Exodus, uh, Exodus chapter 19. And verse number 9, Exodus 19 and verse number 9, <clears throat> Exodus 19 and verse number 6, 6. And the Bible says, talking to Israel, you shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of of Israel. And so God's purpose for the nation of Israel was that they should be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Well, we know from reading our Bible and looking at history, but because of Israel's sins and failures, they lost their spiritual privileges. And uh, that's a whole other lesson. Is God done with Israel? No. Paul said, God forbid. Uh, he's not done with Israel right now. Uh, the uh, time clock stopped at, at Israel uh, in the book of Acts. But one of these days the church will be taken out and that clock will go to ticking again and God will work with the nation of Israel again. But under the Old Testament covenant and economy, Israel had a priesthood. We read about that a lot in Exodus and Leviticus and those places like that. Uh, Israel had a priesthood. 
But as our text states tonight in the New Testament covenant, God's people are a priesthood. We don't have one. We are one. We are a priesthood of believers tonight. Now, Martin Luther, the great reformer, said the New Testament believers should not be titled a priest. Uh, the New Testament believers should not be called a priest or a father. Martin Luther, the great reformer, said that. Of course, the Bible says call no man father. But he said they should use titles in the New Testament church under the, under the new covenant uh, that Jesus put in place in Matthew 26 on the night before the crucifixion. He said we should use names as ministers, deacons, bishops, stewards, brothers and sisters, but not priests. You say why? Because in the Old Testament, that, that word priest, that signified a, a person that he was what's called a high priest. There were other priests, but there's always a high priest. And it signified that they had, a, uh, they had a, a step with God that nobody else had. They could approach God when no one, when no one else could. But in the New Testament, you don't need a priest, you don't need a preacher, you don't need a pope, because we're all priests. And we can all come boldly into the throne room of grace. I don't need a priest to confess my sins to down here because I've got one up there. I don't need a priest that I would sit in a booth and tell him my secret sins. I don't need that because I have one up there. And you see, 1 Timothy 2 and 5 settles that. 1 Timothy 2 and 5 said, There is one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. So you don't have to come through the preacher. You don't have to come through the pope. You don't have to come through nobody. Because if you're saved, God has made you a part of the priesthood of believers. When Christ died on the cross and He said, It is finished, and He gave up the ghost, at that same time the veil that was outside the Holy of Holies, that nobody could go back there except the high priest, it ripped from top to bottom. Not from bottom to top. You say, why? Because that thing was real high. And if it was ripped from bottom to top, man might have done it. But it was from top to bottom because only God could do that. It was said that several teams of oxen tied on each side of that veil could not rip it apart. It was so thick and sewed together. But when that veil was ripped from top to bottom, that was God saying, Whosoever will now can come boldly into the throne room of grace and find help in a time of need. And so any one of us can do that. Uh, let's look uh, real quick at uh, Hebrews chapter 4. Uh, I've done quoted most of this, but Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 14. Seeing then that we, we that are saved, we have a great high priest, 
that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but in all points was tempted like as we are yet without sin. Now flip over to Hebrews 7, a few pages over, Hebrews 7 and verse 24. And the Bible says about this high priest Jesus, but this man, Jesus, because he continueth ever, hath an unchangeable priesthood. So we don't have to worry about Pope John Paul dying or Pope John dying or Pope anybody dying. We don't have to worry about that because our priest is not going to die. Now, when you look at the furnishings of the, in the Old Testament, uh, you find uh, the laver, you find the brazen altar, uh, you find the candles, but one thing you don't find is you do not find a chair. You say, why? Because that earthly priest's work was never done. He had to keep on sacrificing, keep on sacrificing, keep on sacrificing. Because what he was doing, it could not take away the sin. It could only push it forward. But when Jesus came and he died on the cross, the Bible said he ascended to the right hand of the Father and he sat down. You know what that means? No more sacrifices needed. That's why he said it is finished. It's complete. It is done. So Jesus Christ is our high priest. But like in the Old Testament, there was Aaron. He was a high priest. Hilkiah, uh, uh, Ishashab, Joshua. These were all men. They were all high priests. And we could, uh, we could go on and on naming them. And they, they all worked in the uh, temple. Uh, they all, all did their work in the temple, and some of them at the same time, some of them at uh, different times. Uh, and we're all priests. And uh, we are in the temple, but not the one that was in the wilderness and not the one that was at Jerusalem. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 19, What know ye not that your body is the temple? Your body is the temple. God lives in you. God lives in me. So the work that we do uh, as our high priest is Jesus Christ and all believers are in a priesthood. We are a priesthood of believers. Now, let me give you a few things tonight. I want you to go to Exodus 29. Now, if we're all priests tonight in God's temple, how did we become one? You say, uh, I didn't know I was a priest in God's temple. Well, we, we read it there in Revelations 5. We read it there in uh, 2 Peter 9. But you see, Exodus 29, verse 1 through verse 46. Now, we're not going to look at all those verses tonight, just a few. But they tell us how the Old Testament priest became one physically. And I think in these verses that we'll be able to see how you and I that are saved, how we became one spiritually. You see, they were a high priest physically. You and I 
are a high priest spiritually. All right, let's look at verse 1, Exodus 29. And this is the thing that thou shalt do unto them to hallow them to minister unto me in the priest's office. Take one young bullock, two rams without blemish, and unleavened bread, cakes, unleavened tempered with oil, and wafers, and unleavened anointed with oil, wheat, flour, shalt thou make them. And thou shalt put them into one basket. Did you ever hear about having all your eggs in one basket? They should put them in one basket and bring them in the basket with the bullock and the two rams. Watch verse 4. And Aaron and his sons thou shalt bring to the door of the tabernacle. Number one, for them to be a priest in the Old Testament, you had to be in a certain family. Yeah, that was the tribe, tribe of the Levites. But you had to be in the right family. Now, not all Jews were priests uh, because they weren't in the right family. They were Jews, but they weren't in the right family. So, to be an Old Testament priest, you had to be in the right family. You had to be chosen by God as they were. And you had to be called by God, born in the right family. So you and I that are part of this royal priesthood, we have been chosen of God. The Bible said in John chapter 15 verse 16, You have not chosen me, but I've chosen you. You say, yeah, but you didn't read all the verse, Brother Rick. That's talking about them 12 disciples Jesus is talking to. Well, it is. You're right. I'll give you that. But now I know that there's a verse uh, that's in reference not only to the disciples, but to you and me. That's 1 John 1 and 12. But as many as receive him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. That's where we got in the right family. He gave us power to become the sons of God. We got in the family of God. Verse 13, which were born not of blood. In other words, you're not saved because uh, you're not saved because you're a Duval. I'm not saved because I'm a prophet. I need to be saved because I'm a prophet. Uh, not by blood. It's not by uh, who your father is. Not of the will of the flesh. You're not saved just because you want it to happen. If God hadn't wanted it to happen before, it still couldn't happen. It says, nor of the will of man. Now, if I could, my will would be like God's will. I'm not willing that any perish, but that all come to repentance. And if I could make everybody get saved this Sunday morning, I'd do it. But see, you can't get people saved because of your will. We are chosen of Him. Ephesians 1 and 4 makes it real plain. According as He hath chosen us in Him before the foundations of the world. So how did we get to be priest, priesthood of believers? We got in the right family. We got in God's family. Amen. All right, look at, look at verse 4 again. 
And Aaron and his sons thou shalt bring unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, and thou shalt wash them with water. You had to be washed. Aaron and his sons, they had to be washed. Now this was a physical washing. They literally took water and they literally washed the outsides of their bodies once they were brought to the door. Uh, it was a physical washing. Can anybody tell me what John 10 and 9 says? John 10 and 9 says, Jesus said, I am the door. Jesus said, I'm the door. You know, when you and I were washed, when the Holy Spirit led us to the door, that's when we got washed, amen? Uh, so, uh, not only that, ours is not a physical washing, but a spiritual washing. You see, they were physical priests, we're spiritual priests. They were physically washed, we're spiritually washed. Uh, Brother Tracy brought this up in the prayer room, and, and I knew I had this in my lesson tonight, but uh, turn over to uh, 1 Peter chapter 3, 1 Peter 3 and verse 21. And he was talking to a gentleman today, and, and uh, this gentleman believes that, uh, that our sins were washed away in the literal physical water of baptism. And, uh, and the reason they believe that uh, is because of some verses in the Bible that if you look at them and nowhere else or you read them real quick, uh, you might think that that was the case. Uh, we're not going to read it all, but look in First uh, Peter 3 and verse 21. He's, he's been talking about Noah uh, and the ark and the eight people that were in the ark with Noah that they were saved, uh, saved by the water, uh, so to speak. They're actually saved because they was in the ark. If they had been in the water, they wouldn't have been saved. Uh, anybody in the water outside the ark, they all died. But they were saved because they were in the ark. And the ark is a type of Christ. And you and I are saved not because we're going to get in the water, have gotten the water, but because we got in Christ. Now look at this verse. Uh, 1 Peter 3, verse 21. Now he's just talked about knowing that ark and them eight people saved by water. Last, last uh, three words, verse 20, saved by water. But notice verse 21. The like figure. The like figure. It's a figure of something. Whereunto even baptism doth also now save us. Watch real close your Bible. You see that it has uh, parentheses around a little part of the verse there. And it says, Not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God. Now, you see, the washing away of the filth of the flesh has to do with what? The outside. Isn't that right? If you took a bath last night or this morning or you plan on taking one this week sometime, what you're doing is you are washing away the dirt on the outside of the body. My dad, when he was in uh, NHC, uh, 
he didn't like baths. And he didn't want to take a bath. Of course, he only got one a week because they had so many patients, not, not very many nurses, and so you really only got one real in the shower, in the bath, bath a week. And uh, it was a real struggle. I'd say, Daddy, you got to take a bath. He'd say, why? I don't need one. How could I get dirty? I ain't done anything but lay here in the bed. How could I get dirty? Well, he's talking about the washing away of the outward uh, of the flesh. And that's what baptism does. If it washes away anything, it gets the dirt off the outside of your body. But notice in the same verse, he said, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, not washing off the outside, but the answer of a good conscience. Can I ask you a question? Where's your conscience? It's on the inside. Isn't it? It's that little voice on the inside. So our washing is a spiritual washing on the inside. I remember preaching a revival one time. Somebody got saved, young person, they was trying to testify. And they said, I don't know how to explain it. It says it feels like I took a bath on the inside. And that was a pretty good way of explaining it. Amen. Now that's what getting saved is. It's, it's washing the inside. I can wash the outside, most of it. But I can't wash any of the inside. Uh, only God can do that. So our washing is an inward spiritual washing. Look at Revelations 1 and uh, verse 5. Revelations 1 and 5. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Please don't stop there. Read the, read the verse 6, the first line. And hath made us kings and priests unto God. How do we get to be priests? Well, God chose us. We got in the right family. How do we get to be priests? We got washed on the inside. All right, go back to Exodus, Exodus 29 again. Exodus 29 and verse uh, 4 and 5 again. Exodus 29 and verse 4. And Aaron and his sons thou shalt bring unto the door. We were brought to the door, Jesus. And thou shalt wash them with water. We got washed with the water of the word, with the wash with the blood, washed with regeneration. And thou, verse five, and thou shalt take the garments and put them upon Aaron. When they were made priests, they had to be in the right family. They had to be chosen and called. They had to be washed, and then they had to be clothed. Thou shalt take the garments and put upon Aaron the coat. These were special clothes. Anyone seeing them would know that they were a high priest. 
if they were to try to do any of the work of a priest without these garments on, it could cost them their life. You say, where's that at? Chapter 28, verse 43. The Bible said, And they shall be unto Aaron and unto his sons when they come in unto the tabernacle of the congregation, or when they come near unto the altar to minister in the holy place, that they bear not iniquity and die. In other words, if they ain't got this clothes on, they could die. It shall be a statue forever unto him and his seed after him. All right, as a priesthood of believers, we should be clothed in such a way that people can identify us. Now, theirs was outward. And I know we got, uh, we you know, wear suits. Brother Briley, he's a young preacher. He likes to wear a suit, and I'm proud of him for doing that. I wear one. I like to wear one. And the uh, reason I like to wear ones because if I'm out at the hospital and nursing home, I've actually had this happen. I've had somebody run out of room and they say, are you a preacher? And the reason they thought I was a preacher was because I had a suit and a tie on and they needed me to come in and pray with somebody. Now if I'd had shorts and jogging pants on and something like that, they probably would have run right by me looking for a preacher. Uh, but what I'm talking about is not outward clothing. You remember, ours is inward. Ours is spiritual. And we should have on things that people would identify us as a Christian, as a priest. You say, what would that be? Colossians 3 and 12. Colossians 3 and 12. You can't get this at Walmart. You can't get it at Dillard's. Uh, you can't get it uh, at Marshall's. you got to get it from God. Colossians 3.12 Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering. You see, this is our clothing. People should be able to identify us out in the workplace and out in the public. They should be able to identify us by our holy walk. They should be able to identify us by our vows of mercy. And that word, I know we don't use that like we, uh, the Bible didn't use it like we use it. When the Bible talks about vows of mercy, it's talking about your heart, your inner being. That's what it's talking about. And uh, years ago I had to, Somebody just got saved, and I'll leave them nameless to protect the innocent, except for those of you that know them. They just got saved. They were excited about God, excited about the Lord. We'd go back in the prayer room up in the old building, and we'd get back there, and he'd been reading his Bible. He'd been picking up Bible language. And we took prayer requests, and he requested prayer for this one individual. He said, please pray for them. My bowels is really moved for them. Well, he's a young convert, you know. I can, I can suck it down. I don't expect them to get everything right. But been about three weeks later, out in the open, out in the auditorium, Wednesday night, taking prayer requests. Yes, please pray for so-and-so. My bowels are really moved for them. So, I didn't correct him then. 
I wouldn't embarrass him like that. But after service was over, I had to explain to him, Brother, we, we believe the Bible. We believe every word in the King James Bible. But sometimes the meanings have changed in words. And I said, when the Bible uses that word, bowels, it's meaning your heart. And I said, it might be best next time we meet for prayer that you say, my heart is really moved for them. Amen? Amen. All right, so our spiritual clothes, if our inward part is right, if my inward part is right, my outward part will soon match it. Guarantee it. But if my outward part never got right, and my inward part was right, and I had the right love and the right mercy and the right compassion and the right language and the right reaction, people would know that I'm a Christian because of what God has allowed me to put on inwardly. And inwardly, if you get right down to it, I mean, I like them both. I want them both. But if you get right down to it, inwardly is more important than outwardly. You can cover up a lot with a suit and tie uh, outwardly. But inwardly, you can't cover that up. You can't cover that up. So... We have special clothing. All right, look in uh, another thing in verse 7. Now they've, uh, they have been brought to the door. They have been, got in the right family, chosen of God, brought to the door, washed with water, uh, given special garments. And uh, I, I better mention this before I leave. You remember what happened when the prodigal son came back from the far country and the father said, kill the fatted calf. Get the best robe, put it on him. Put shoes on his feet. Well, that's an outward sign of what spiritually happens when you and I get saved. All right, so now they've got clothed. Now look at verse 7. Then shalt thou take the anointing oil and pour it upon his head and anoint him. Again, this was outward. This was literal. You remember when David... Uh, when David was anointed in uh, 1 Samuel 16 and Samuel took the horn of oil and he poured that on David and it ran all the way down all over David. It was an outward anointing. But you see, our anointing is inward. Now we tend to think of only preachers when we talk about anointing. We tend to only think about preachers or we say, man, that singer really had the anointing upon them. But the truth of the matter is that all of us are a priesthood of believers. We've all been called. We've all gotten the right family. We've all been washed. We've all been given a robe of righteousness. And we've all been anointed. Look in 1 John. First John. Uh, chapter 2, 1 John chapter 2, and look at verse 27. But the anointing which ye, he's talking to Christians, if you get over in verse 13 of chapter 2, he even calls them uh, little children, uh, uh, 
young men, different things he calls them. So he's talking about Christians. Verse 27, But the anointing which you have received of him abideth in you. See, it's an inward anointing. You need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teacheth you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie, and even as it hath taught you, you shall abide in him. Now we know that doesn't mean that you don't need any man to teach you because God gave some apostles, some uh, prophets, some pastors, some teachers for the perfecting of the saints, the work of the ministry, Ephesians 4.11. But what that's saying is that you got the anointing inside of you. And you may not find it out as quick as if somebody told you, but if you will read your Bible, you have the anointing inside of you that will let you know if something's true or if it's a lie. I've used this before, but it's true. The truth has a certain ring about it. Even though you may not even know the scripture or the verse or possibly not heard it. But if you're saved and got the Spirit of God in you, the truth has a certain ring about it. Years ago, 42 years ago, me and my wife were with another couple. We got discussing certain doctrine thing in the Bible. And my wife, she was just listening like a good wife. and She was just listening. She wasn't trying to you know, take over or say anything. She was just listening. She didn't say a word. But when we got in the car, she said, you know, honey, I didn't know what he was saying, and, and I really didn't know what you were saying, but what you said, it, it had a ring about it. It had a ring of truth about it. We well, see, she didn't even know the verses of the Scripture, but the Holy Spirit let the truth have a certain ring about it. When you hear the truth, it'll set off a little alarm inside of you saying, that's right. And if it's not right, there'll be a little alarm going out saying, hmm, something about that just didn't feel this right. Something about that. So we all have an anointing. Now, finally, finally, as priests in God's temple, our jobs are not physical like the Old Testament priest. You know, the Old Testament priests, they worked pretty hard. They, they, they'd work different hours and shifts, and, and it was nonstop. They were bringing the, the lambs, the turtle doves, the oxen, and uh, they were sacrificing them and burning them and and I mean, it was, it was an outward thing. It was nonstop. Now, in closing, go to Hebrews 13 tonight. We are priests in God's family. But ours is spiritual. Let's look in Hebrews 13 and verses 10 through verse uh, 16. We have an altar whereof they have no right to eat which serve the tabernacle. For the bodies of those beasts whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin is burned without the count. Wherefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. He suffered outside of Jerusalem. Let us go forth therefore unto him without the count, bearing his reproach. For here we have no continuing city. You see, theirs is Jerusalem. But we seek one to come, the new Jerusalem. By him, therefore, let us, here we go. By him, therefore, let us, let us, priesthood of believers, let us,
priest off of the sacrifice, not of a lamb, not of a goat, not of a bulldog, bullock, but the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to His name. But to do good and communicate, forget not, for with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. You see, we have an altar. Our altar's the cross. Our altar's not the one that was in that Old Testament tabernacle. Our altar's the cross. We do not bring a lamb or sacrifice because Genesis 22 and 8, God provided Himself a lamb. God came and He's our sacrifice and we don't need, never need any other sacrifice other than the one that was on Calvary. But our priestly work is done outside the camp, bearing His reproach. Our sacrifices are not what was brought to us. It's not a dove or a lamb or a sheep or an oxen that's brought to us. Our sacrifice is what comes out of us. By Him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God. How many times? Continually. I bet some of you offered a sacrifice this morning before you ever got out of bed. You opened your eyes and said, Thank you, God, for another day. But some of you offered a sacrifice as you got that first hot cup of coffee and whatever you eat for breakfast. You said, thank you, God, for something to eat. Maybe you paid a light bill and as you were driving out, you said, thank you, God, for the money to pay that light bill. See, those are sacrifices that we are to offer continually, not just in here, not just in the camp, but continually outside the camp. I think it's Psalms uh, 34 verse 1, and I'm not there, but I sure wish I was. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be upon my lips. Continually. What are we? We are priests in God's temple. Father, I thank you tonight for revealed truth. Thank you for the Bible. We know is the truth. The Bible never did say, and it never has been true, that a lie will set you free, not for very long. But the truth will always set us free. Lord, I'm probably the worst preacher